Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. All right, thanks for joining us. We are podcasting today on the topic of regression. Um, it is probably one of the, I, I absolutely, this is, I've been doing like autism momming for like, what, 12, 14 years, and I still hate it. Even though in my mind I can rationalize my mom mind through it, I still absolutely loathe regression. So my thought was for this particular podcast, we can talk about some of our experiences with regression, what that looks like, and then um, hopefully provide people with some hope that you are going to survive it. And um, and um, we'll kind of maybe, well, as always, we kind of go off on our own little tangents and um, find plenty to talk about. But um, how about we start with David, because you're sitting to my right. Why don't you share with me some of your experiences of regression um, when it comes to your daughter? Oh, I was going to say personally or my daughter. <laughs> I was say, hey, you know <laughs> what? I feel like I regress I feel all like the time. They're, oh, well, you know what? I really feel like even through this podcast thing, we're all like making so much progress in our own little baggage and acknowledging some of our challenges. So I don't believe that you have any regression right now anyway. So I'll ask my wife. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, my daughter Morgan is now 12. I mean, even this summer when we started and I've said this on a previous podcast, um, without any prior discussion, she had just decided it's summer, there are no rules. And so she would just be completely indignant every time we'd come up every night to take her iPad because we were told that you were supposed to have forgotten the rules. Like, well, we didn't. We didn't get that memo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's I'm going to call the police and tell them what you murdered somebody and you're going to tell them you did. And I'm like, okay. Um, so, I mean... From that to we have done some of the pharmaceutical route and just trying and everything we have tried along the lines of whether it be seizure medication um, or anything else just had too many detrimental effects, like pulling out eyebrows, this kind of thing. Um, And then we just started on Zoloft, and there was that period of about 45 days where it was just like transformation, this new person, oh my God. Like in the past, if she had been downstairs doing something and she even heard Piper, her younger sister, coming downstairs, it was just like blowing circuit. She's going to come mess up my game and like just start shouting at her. And I just noticed like one day... She Piper starts going downstairs and nothing, nothing, no sound. And then all of a sudden she gets to the bottom of the stairs and Morgan's like, hey, Pipey, which is her name. I'm like, like welcoming her. Like, what? Holy but cow. again, you might have noted that I said for a period of about 45 days. <laughs> and so what's hard is, I mean, I think we've all experienced regression. It's just like, how do I not set myself up this time for the fact that I know there's going to be a regression and like temper my enthusiasm and my hope because we want it to be permanent. I think yeah. we, I mean, I think we've said it before. We want this whole thing to go away. Yeah. Um, but whatever progress there is. And so sometimes to keep myself sane, um, what I have to do is 
rewind, say, six or seven years. I mean, some of the progress is just out of, you know, maturity, just because, but some of it is like, okay, what does this look like as a whole now, as opposed to, you know, this most recent progress and how she might have um, regressed a bit, but as a whole, has she progressed in some fashion? It's like, well, yeah, you know, there are certain things. She is actually doing a little bit better in school. Um, and so it's just, but, you know, I, I think all of us can agree. Like, you're just waiting for that shoe to drop. Now, we've seen it so many times now. We're like, there's the progress. When's the shoe going to drop? When's this going to, like, turn into something evil and awful and something different again? Um, That's just the most recent experience. Or you get, like, a positive thing, but then then the wheel comes off of another area where it was just like, oh, we finally have this great progress in this one area that you've been working so hard on, and then this is so amazing, but then... Yeah, something goes wrong in a different area, and so then you have this huge other problem that you have to then start turning all of your focus and attention to, and so it kind of almost kills the joy, I guess maybe I should say, of like that big step that you, that big accomplishment that you just finally um, achieved, and it's just frustrating because, again, I feel like there's so much joy, but yet then it gets overshadowed because then another obstacle pops up that you're then having to you know, start unraveling and figuring out how you're going to work through it. So I'm with you on that one, too. It's just, it's so hard to become too hopeful. And then also, too, because we're so close to it, you don't really appreciate it, um, like the progress, um, the the advancement that they've made, <clears throat> until all of a sudden you start seeing the regression, then you realize how far you've come. Like, you just kind of almost were immune to the fact that, oh, wow, we really did make a lot of progress, until then you see kind of the you know, the, the bottom fall out of it, and then you, you know, are taking three steps back, and it's it's so hard for me because I'm like, I can't go back, I can't go back, I can't go back, like, I can't, I can't do it. Like, I, you know, it just is so miserable, and so then it's like, okay, no, because what I have noticed, and I don't know if any of you guys have, and this was the same, I'm telling you, it was the same for Isaac, and it was the same for, um, it is the same for Caleb, is, is that we would be making progress, things would be going really, really well, and we've like hit a milestone. And then all of a sudden something would happen, and then it was like the bottom would fall out, and now we're right back to where we started. And it was so devastating to me, because it's like I don't want to go back. And Caleb does this too. And so then we're starting back at square one, re kind of visiting and doing some of these therapeutic things, or having to focus and spend attention on, you know, modifying behaviors and trying to offer you know, positive reinforcers, and um, <clears throat> then all of a sudden, like, you know, weeks can go by, sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it can be a month or more, where then all of a sudden they wake up one stinking day, and they're almost two steps ahead of where they were when they actually regressed, do you know what I mean? It's like, I always, now I kind of associate it with, um, like, his brain, both Isaac and Caleb, the brain kind of has to, like, parts of it has to go into hibernation because the brain's working on developing a new skill. So that's kind of what I look at now because I've seen it so often. I saw it so often with Isaac and now I still see it with Caleb and it still literally makes me want to throw up because it's so nerve wracking. Like, oh, please don't make us go back. Um, And so then I just have to keep thinking of that. My analogy of like the brain, part of the brain is going into hibernation because we're working on like something. And once we come out of this, and again, it could be three months, um, but it's just, it still is nerve wracking because it's like, you don't know if that system or that progress is going to come back online and you're going to be able to, you know, appreciate it and keep it on. Um, I find too, and you know, feel free to jump in on this, that the biggest regression we see is during the summer. 
because the routine is different. And um, again, kind of what you're saying is that his mental expectation is different. So he's just thinking, hey, you know, I don't have to go to school. I don't have to learn anything anymore. Um, we still are doing therapies, but it's just like his brain is just not like, it's like, oh, no, we're not being serious about this. You know, we could do therapy year round. And yet, like for some reason in the summer, it's just kind of like his brain's just like, meh, no, no, thank you. How about transitioning from summer what you finally get the summer transition okay and then you're going back to school school. and honestly there are times like you know why do I have to go to school and I wonder the same thing but I have to tell her the right thing (laughs) like you know like like honestly I don't know because I mean is this actually benefiting you in a way that something else might be more beneficial but I just haven't figured out what that is yet so and then that transition so okay this is Tanya. I'm going to tag on a little bit to what David said earlier. My son, we also started, before school started, we started him on Zoloft. Oh. And for like the first like month, it was actually really great. I like, had a noticeable difference, but also school was starting around this time too. And so now it's kind of worn off. And I feel like we're constantly in this place where it's like one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. So mindset. you still kind of end up ahead a l- little bit. A little bit. But it's just so ping-pongy mm-hmm. that you have to really, it's hard to measure, mm-hmm. like, are we really ahead? Are yes, we really ahead? I know. And I look at, like, where he was in third grade. He's in fourth grade this year. And, like, academically, he's actually closing the gap between him and his peers. So that's where he's made big gains. Oh, you're so lucky. Yeah. But behaviorally, I feel like this year he's regressed behavior-wise. But I also have to tell myself he's also going full-day school this year, which he didn't last year. Um, and he's in gen ed more this year. So that may also con- contribute somewhat to the yeah. um, regression in behavior. Yeah. Isn't it exhausting, though, that we're constantly analyzing it? Like, yes. is it this? Is it that? I is know. it summer? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, it's causing the behaviors. Yeah, exactly. I swear to you, I feel like I have, like, this little, like, mental journal constantly going because every time I see an anomaly or it's like, why is it that it's not as good as it was? Mm-hmm. Then you're looking and analyzing every element, and mm-hmm. you're, I'm absolutely with you. Yep. I look at the school day. Okay, yep. so what changed at school? Like, what's changed in therapy? What's changed at home that might explain yep. a reason why you're seeing maybe you know a difference or a regression mm-hmm. or I constantly analyze behavior I'm like so yeah. I was like behavior is a form of communication what is my <laughs> child communicating to me what is he communicating at school like why this behavior is happening for a reason and then I'm like how can we problem solve <laughs> yeah. and it's like constant and then I was like well we make some steps with the problem solving and then something else pops up <laughs> yeah it really is Bonnie come on help me out here <laughs> this my Bonnie is my mama with two kiddos on the spectrum so like um so between the boys, tell me whether or not, like, you see it the same or differently. You know what I mean? I, I think yeah. it's, you know, because you have two different boys that present totally differently. Um, so what's your feel on regression? So Jackson definitely um, regresses different, you know. he might He's like a two-step forward, one-step back guy, you know. So you'll see it, but it's not as severe. But you'll go, oh, crap. And Jackson's your son that's higher functioning. Right. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, we're seeing some of these things we didn't um, – Obviously, want to really go through again, but you also know it won't last a super amount of time. You know, you just kind of fight through it. Evan, when he regresses, it's usually um, a pretty severe regression, and it's going to take a long time to get back to where you're at. Um, Kind of what we're going through right now with him. Um, He's back into a more violent phase. Um, Instead of using his words, he's just wanting to hit and... um, you know, he's 11 years old, 100 and whatever, 15 pounds. He's not a little boy. So yeah. it, it makes it a lot harder um, when sometimes you see him going back to some of those um, 
phases that you haven't been in in five or plus years and you're going, oh man. And, you know, sadly for him, it's not like, oh, after a month, we're back to where we were at. You yeah. know, it's like you got to call the behavioral therapist, come up with a new plan. Now we got to get back to where... Um, you have to re-educate the team because yeah. our goals and focus are different and right. getting your team together because he has a team at school. Then, of course, he has right. his team like that work yeah. with him at home. It's not a little thing. Yeah, and I think um, like what you guys were saying, well, I'm first of all more on the negative side. Um, I always tend to, um, I guess maybe that's how I prepare myself, I always tend to think for the worst. So if Evan's regressing because he doesn't have a lot of communication, I'm honest, I like first I'm like, okay, did somebody do something to him? Oh, sure. What happened? I'm going to figure it out. And sometimes I guess maybe it doesn't come out in the nicest <laughs> way because I'll come to the school and be like, so, you know. Yeah. What's going on at the school? Did you know? Because I'm trying but in to figure it with, out. When you have a child that has is low verbal and can't communicate those things, I think it's absolutely appropriate to be making sure that right. something isn't, you know, something bad isn't right. happening. So, and I think if you communicate, I, I joke with them all the time at school. I'm like, look, you guys know I'm a freak. You guys know I'm going to come do this. Just deal with it, you know, because like last year, for instance, he started in the morning saying, um, I'm not going to do school. I'm not doing school. And he was very upset about it. He's never done that before. Okay, why don't you want to do school? Now I'm trying to think what's happening. Yeah. You know, there was a new teacher. Maybe the teacher's not being nice to him. And I'm not saying any of those things are per se happening, but I have to, as have his to mom it figure it out. Yeah. So, you know, I'm coming in there like, incognito trying to figure out like is somebody being mean to him is it the teacher you know um and I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings but ultimately you know your kids are gonna you're I'm more worried about my kids feelings than yours I just really yes. am so I'm trying to figure those things out and that's really hard and I think um with the regression uh one thing we should touch on is when they first regressed because that's yeah that's really hard um especially because evan went in almost a complete vegetative state um because he was your happy baby mm, yep walked talked everything and it was over about like a four or five week period we were like what what in the world's going on and of course in hindsight you can see little things before then you didn't know but um yeah it was like why isn't he looking at me why isn't he you know and that regression was the hardest because you didn't know. You didn't know what was going on. You didn't, what is happening with my child. And, um, I, you know, I know you've talked about it before being so angry with the second one oh, because yeah. I literally, you know, I posted, I remember posting on Facebook like, oh, we're getting almost at the time with Jackson where Evan started regressing and you're watching it, you know. And, you know, why are you doing that? Why are, you know, people were just being really negative about it. And it's like, you guys, this is my reality. Yeah. And sure. Because it's trauma. Right. And it's you're trauma. waiting. I'm yeah. a preparer, so yeah. I have to prepare. And um, slowly here I see Jackson start losing everything. Um, almost at the extent of Je um, Evan. So that's what was hard because I was like, oh, great. I have two severely low functioning and until Jackson was about five, that's what he was considered, you know, and I don't know what I don't know if it's because we were better autism parents the second time around because you knew more and we knew what therapies to put him in or whatever. But um, it's that regression definitely was the hardest watching, you know, um, that child turn into, you know, something else. And I think now when they regress going on the hope side, you know, they're you know, you're trying to get your hopes too much up. 
but it is there and you do see you know i always say evan moves at a snail's pace that's how he moves and you know but he's what? moving he's uh, that's what i that's why when all we've had millions of therapists hey why don't you just stop everything and just give him the best life that he can have and i'm like wow you're giving up on a kid that early that's amazing to me you know yeah he's still moving forward and mm -hmm. it might be at a snail pace but maybe by the time he's 30 he might be caught up to a 15 year old wouldn't that be amazing i, I mean agree. you know so just yeah definitely don't give up um you will never convince me mm -hmm. that there is a time that they're not growing and improving right. and um yeah so you're I, I mean and that's one of my biggest frustrations is that we mm -hmm. focus focus so much on early intervention rightfully so but it just aggravates me to no end mm -hmm. that there's just this point where then all of a sudden like therapy is not deemed to be beneficial right. for our loved ones. And it just makes me so mad. And um, even your, even your higher, like I've learned this cause I assumed that, and you might've saw this since, you know, you've had two boys that are two different levels too. Um, I assumed it was going to be harder to take care of Evan. He's lower functioning. Yeah. But Jackson's the one I'm constantly trying to figure things out when he regresses, how to make it's it's actually harder for that, you know, because he's he has that mindset. He has that, you know, so you're trying to figure it out in a way and he notices it. Yeah. Why am I getting so mad? Why am why yeah. is this happening? Why, you know, where Evan, he don't know if he regresses or not, or he just, you know. I also think, too, for, like, Caleb, you know, he's in a large portion of his day, he's in gen ed, and so then you have to provide some level of, like, explanation, again, to his peers, because, again, you know, I'm of the mindset that, you know, um, we should just be open with his peers, because if they know and they understand, then they're going to be a lot more understanding and compassionate, and you're eliminating a lot of, um, you know, bullying activities different things like that but then you're absolutely right when he takes a nosedive and then all of a sudden he kind of takes that step of regression it's like it's more than just getting his team and like the family on board with okay so this is what we have to do to support him it's like you do have to still give an explanation to his friends because now he's being a jerk right um and they don't know why he's acting the way that he's acting or things that he were no big deal before become big deals so so that becomes that you're right an added level of complication because mm -hmm. you know we're dealing with one of those situations right now where um it's like and then it's like okay so you know you don't want to be that mama bear but it's like okay so how do i reach out to these kids and give an explanation of what's going on um mm -hmm. or do i reach out to the parents or is that just crossing that line mm -hmm. or you know what i mean or do i just write it out and just like once we hopefully come out of this like little like this little you know pothole that we're in um will it repair itself and i don't i don't have the answer because i this is my first go around with the high functioning kids so i don't right. know and, i don't know what i'm I, doing i'm winging it every day and i think that in the classroom um we're like that too we're very open we me and jackson did a presentation to his class i think that's important um not not only important for the kids but um you know choose to go your own path but what I have seen is if you do not tell your child they have autism, yeah, they're thinking they're weird. They're thinking all these thoughts, and they don't know why. And if they figure out that they have autism somewhere down the road or they start kind of connecting the dots, then it's like, well, why? They, they get that feeling that, well, w this is a secret because it must be bad. Right. And you know what I mean? There's that element of, you know, well, it must not be a good thing if, you know, we've had to keep it, you know, if it's been something, you know, and that's where yeah. it's it's hard. Um, so we we the wording that like I fully let his, um, you know, the class knows me, either Bonnie or Jackson's mom, whatever. And they'll just straight come up to me. Hey, Jackson's mom, Evan or 
uh, he's been being mean. And I'll go, you know what? I agree with you. He's completely being mean right now. And I'm sorry about that. Remember that talk we had? Maybe this is what you could do. I just let him say it yeah. about him because yeah. it's the truth. Like you said, if he's being a jerk, he's being a jerk. Yeah. And sometimes I'm sorry. Whether it's your neurotypical kids or your regular kids, they're a-holes sometimes. Oh, my gosh. We have a and podcast so recording pretend, coming up right? on that topic, <laughs> on mean, that like, very topic. Yeah, it's like, why are you pretending like they're not? They are sometimes. Yeah. And with Jackson, yes, he doesn't read people's social cues, and he doesn't. And the things he says, you go, okay, yes. okay, well, we're going to have to figure out how to remedy that. How we tell him, too, is that Caleb gets hangry, um, and that is a real deal. So then that's kind of one of the things. It's like, you know, here's what I do when I start seeing some of that nastiness like then it's one of those my question is you know could we offer Caleb a snack because you know what I mean and that's you know kind of that go-to is when he starts behaving like that and turns into a whole mode it's like okay so first thing that we do is say Caleb could could you maybe be a little hungry can I help you find something to eat and um, because again it starts cueing people because it's not his normal behavior mm -hmm. uh, but it is really ugly my son Logan also is gets very hangry. I send him to school with four snacks yeah. to be on the safe side and his teacher, I send a big box of goldfish that she keeps in his yeah. <laughs> in the classroom and she always tells me when they're out. Oh yeah. And he just eats throughout the day yeah. because you don't want him to get hungry. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, again, you're just, you know, yeah. cuz here's the thing, I can't defend sometimes he is mm -hmm. an a-hole because you know, let's be real. <laughs> we're all a-holes sometimes. Yes. I know I am. Like it's just so I was just not mm -hmm. a good person yesterday. Or people will just say, hey, can we meet? La, 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 la. It's like, you know, I really don't think you want to meet with me today. Yes. I am just not a pleasant person to be around. Like, I have perspective. Um, so, you know, because we all have those days. And so, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, too, Bonnie, I don't know about you, but then you're hitting the puberty stage. So we have one dad that's with us, and he's actually survived puberty. But, um, and actually, he We has, need some tips. We need, yeah, we need some <laughs> tips. Help us. Um, but... Talking about the, the early regression, um, I think for you, John, you've talked about it on podcasts before. That's where you saw, number one, your first experience with regression because it was so profound and and just right before your eyes. Uh, this is uh, John again and Cooper's uh, 16 now. And I wouldn't say I'm through puberty, but I'm in the midst of it. Now, uh, one thing I would You're say is... on the is tail end of puberty, I would think. No, maybe. I don't think so. Oh, Not my family. Well, you look great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> look great, sound great. You know, it's a great day. Yeah. Um, now, with Cooper, you know, when he was younger, regression was uh, something that happened quite a bit. And I would say that since he's gotten older, I don't see, we don't see that near as much. He hasn't had a meltdown in a long time. And... And so, and he's sixteen. You'll and be he's seven, sixteen. He'll yeah. be seventeen. And, and his, you know, he'll, he'll protest, of course. You know, when you want him to do something or something else, or, but he's pretty steady Eddie now. I mean, it's uh, same thing, Bonnie. Like you said, we see, you know, growth, but it's slow, right? But that's you know that's the nature of the beast. And heck, you know, at almost at fifty, I think at times I'm growing still. Right? We all <laughs> yeah. are at yeah. points. So some some aspects of your life, you know, you continue to grow. And I think sometimes, I think of it like a deck of cards, right? You're only uh, you're playing. Uh, five-card draw at times with these kiddos, and sometimes the cards you get aren't always the same, and sometimes, you know, you, you get, it's all aces, right? Sometimes it's great, and then other times, you know, depending on if they're not feeling well, something's going on, you know, they, the hands change up, and you're lucky to have, you know, a two pair, right? So, um, like I say with Cooper, he's been, he's uh, ASD level three, you know, he's low functioning, but I feel like um, he's gotten better in, in some of the social he doesn't try to grab food off people's plate at Red Robin anymore, which is great. I mean, That's he used true. To, Still do it in the grocery store occasionally. Yeah. With okay, kids. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not watching, but 
He doesn't walk through and snatch food off people's plates, which is great. That is so true. That's right? gotten better it's, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, he's... Uh, he does wait until you actually walk away from your plate before he goes over there to try and, like, you know, as opposed to yeah, while you're polite, sitting right? there. Yeah, <laughs> right. So he'll, so. yeah, you're right. He does. He's, he's like, you've now given me, you've now said you're done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you have stood up and turned your back. So, therefore, anything that was left on your plate is mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that, uh, I think the uh, maturation of the brain occurring right now is probably why we don't see the regression so much. And I think you guys, I think that that's going to be something you're going to probably enjoy more. When, when they get to that age. My fear is that, um, just like with anything, like we have phases and we have to get adjusted to our new normal. Um, like, you know, you think about like when you get married, you have to adjust to your new married life and that mm-hmm. takes time. Um, when I got divorced, it took, I am not kidding you, like the first year um, after I got divorced, I was still getting used to this whole thing. And then even the second year, while it was more comfortable being divorced, it's still, you're not your, like, you're not to your baseline of where you are, like, post-divorce. So, like, the two-year anniversary was kind of where I was. And so I did see, like, regression and some challenges in that time frame with Caleb because, obviously, his world was rocked, and he had to get um, adjusted. And if it took me one whole year to get adjusted to it, and then, like, this after the second year, I was feeling like, okay, like, this, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm back to baseline. You know, you think you are at one year, but then when you hit the two-year mark, you're like, okay, no, I really am back to my baseline. Um, so I think, and then, of course, you know, we had to trans transition schools in there, too, because we pulled Caleb from one school district to a new school district. Interestingly enough with that, though, um, you know, Bonnie, you and I are, like, spirit animals, too, in the respect that I was preparing for the worst because, like, that's just my, you know, like, hope for the best, but I'm always planning for the absolute worst. And and that is exactly what I did when we transitioned school districts, and boy, was I shocked when it was actually more of a adjustment for my neurotypical daughter, Kelly, than it was for my son with autism. Like, literally, it was, like, no issue whatsoever, um, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that that was ever going to be our reality because Kelly is very social. She's just very outgoing. Um, you know, she, we came from a very small school district to a really large one. So, of course, she's going to have more opportunities for interaction and more activities that she can be involved in. And it was the exact opposite. Caleb absolutely um, excelled. I've never seen him take um, as large of a developmental step um, than in that particular school year. Now, with that being said, now we are, this is our second year at this new school, and, you know, we're starting to see challenges again for Caleb. And again, I don't know if, you know, again, you're looking at situational thing. Um, Caleb, you know, he's sixth grade, so they're trying to get him used to that whole concept of, you know, like transitioning classes for different periods. Mm -hmm. So he's having to make three transitions during the day, and he absolutely hates it. Um, You know, so I don't, so we're having problems this year. And then, of course, I think we're pre-puberty where, you know, there's that element too where it's just, you know, he's uncomfortable. So hopefully Caleb never hears this. But, you know, right now, like, of course, he's getting body hair in uncomfortable places. And he is just hating every moment of it. And so it's like, um, you know, his armpits are itchy. Obviously, you know, his, you know, uh, genital area is, of course, itchy all the time, which then gets him distracted, and then, of course, it's like, oh, please don't talk about that in the midst of class, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just horrible right now, Um, but, you know, now, this year, my daughter is doing better. Like, you know, Kelly is doing better at her school, Um, 
but it's again, you know, sometimes what my expectation is and what I'm preparing for ends up being the exact opposite, and it sucks. Okay, so um, <laughs> there were no, there were no thoughts that came up based on any of that discussion. However, um, you're right. We Piper, my neurotypical daughter, will still when she can use it, the card she wants to use. Well, you made us move, and at this new school, and like you know, so yeah, because with Morgan. What happened is, um, and I referenced it before, but unbeknownst to her almost entirely, like this misfit group of friends all developed around her. And she's at a school that like, for whatever reason, her class just gets it. I just remember dropping her off at school and kids that I've never seen, I never knew. Oh, hey, Morgan. And I mean, they just kind of got, and they've even said at that school, her particular grade, for whatever reason, has been fantastic. However... Next year is middle school. Yes. And I've had the, and I, I want to throw it out there because, you know, a lot of times I'm impulsive and ready, fire, aim. And um, I've had these visions of me going in front of the entire school and not as an autism expert, but as an autism parent and explaining to them, you know, here's my daughter, this is what might look like for her. And there might be other kids throughout. So I'm not telling you to treat any kids special, I'm just saying, if you see this, this might be why, and introducing them to that. And I have these visions of it, but it's all intrusive. It's really, when it comes down to it, it's controlling. I want to control my daughter's experience. And here's one of the ways I'm trying to do this. Um, it seems almost intrusive, pandering, and yet I have a f portion of myself wanting to do this. But it's all, as I say, if I circle back, I'm controlling her experience so there's not the regression because... As I said, it's middle school. Yeah. And so I just don't even know if that's a wise course of action. It's just something I've been thinking about. Pu puberty for Evan has been really funny, actually, as he's just slowly starting it. Because I thought it was going to go bad. But I realized, because Evan loves um, cartoons and SpongeBob is like his best friend. Oh, yes. In our house, too. Right. So... Evan was prepared because he watches the same episode where they sing the song now that we're men, you know, we have facial <laughs> hair. And so like when we oh, went, awesome. like, and they changed their underwear, like this whole song. Right. And so he, we always have him feel right here on his face and be like, are you getting a mustache? And he is so excited about this hair situation because he feels like he's like SpongeBob, SpongeBob. Now. and he hey. walks around singing the song and I'm like, this is amazing. Okay. And <laughs> you know what? I'm going to need to know exactly what episode that is because I feel like I need to get yes. Caleb logged into that one because he of course also too loves SpongeBob yeah. and, um, so you're right. Cause if, you know, SpongeBob is dealing with it and he's a man, then I feel like he's going to be more receptive to it. Cause like right now he's just not loving it and I hate it. It just sucks. Well, and he laughs not to be rude, but I'll be like, Evan, you're getting a little bit of hair down there. Yeah. He'll like laugh about it. Like he thinks oh, it's see, so Caleb's funny. Super upset. Like mom, do something. Yeah. Cause I can stop the right. pubic hair from coming in people like, yeah. All right, Caleb. Cause you know, newsflash for you. Well, I don't want pubic hair. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> not a choice right and I will say that you know like there is certain things that are hard obviously we've been working on the deodorant thing for a while because he doesn't like things touching him yeah um and we are at the point where he can put it on but you know we're talking you know I'll say remember you don't want to stink I am stink <laughs> okay well we still have to put it on yes. like I understand yeah. that's not where you want to be but yeah um you know so that's uh that stuff's definitely hard but I will put a shout out to the boys of school Bemis Elementary Ooh. because they are amazing and what I think makes them amazing for special needs kids is one of the um 
teachers in DI, she is the head, of, like, she goes around as the head of, like, everything. So she purposely um, lets the school know, you know, these kids are around and it's okay. So if, and we've had to change schools too. And if Evan's walking down the hallway throwing a fit and screaming, the responses to the kids in the school, it just, like, blows me away. They'll be like, hey, buddy, you having a rough day? I mean, you know, where our other school was like, oh, that kid's retarded. Oh, Literally. Yeah. say, And so because they're not keeping them away, they're saying, hey, this is okay. Sometimes this happens, you know. And, you know, they go to all the um, assemblies and they go, you know, they're allowed to be around. And I will say, um, Evan, each class they have to pick somebody for certain things. And they told me, well, Evan won an award for, you know, trying hard on this. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah, you probably just want to give me the award. He's not gonna really like. Oh no, we we got it covered. And I'm, you know, and you know, preparing for the worst. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, good. So we get to go in front of the school and have a meltdown. It's gonna be so great. Yeah. So Let's I'm put that out so there. So I'm literally like, you know, sweating. Oh my gosh. And so we get there, and the teacher walks him up to get his award, and she explains Evan does not like noise. So uh, I would like all you guys to give Evan some air claps right now. And literally everybody, I, it like brought me to tears. Yeah. Like everybody was air clapping and Evan was just standing up there like, okay, cool, you know. And he's like, all done, all done, yep, you all know? done. But um, it's just those little thoughtful things, especially yeah. when, you know, you see a regression and people are going, okay, this kid needs this. Let's, you know, surround him. I think, you know. I think That's you're absolutely great. right. And this was, you know, I'm old because I'm in my 40s, people. But when I was at Broadway Elementary, I had to live with my grandma for a school year. So in the fifth grade, I had to live with my grandma, and she lived just across the street from Broadway. So that's where I went. And they actually had a self-contained classroom back in those days, which, you know, up until that point in my life, I had never seen that before because, you know, the school that I had gone to prior to that did not have kids that required that level of support. Um, and so one of the coolest things about being at that school was is that um, they wanted um, buddies, like they called them lunch buddies. And so, um, and everybody, so they talked about these are our special students, you know, a lot of them have different needs, you know, some of them are in wheelchairs, some, you know, have to have a feeding tube, you know, some just, you know, need, you know, need you to hold their hand when they're walking down the hall because they like to run away. Um, so I think there was like nine kids in the class and and it was, you know, so we're looking for special lunch buddies. And I'm telling you what, it was like coveted positions where everybody wanted to be a lunch buddy for these kids. Um, and so it was honestly the only time in my, my whole life that I ever got to actually work hand in hand with kids that had profound disabilities. And it was the coolest experience of my life because when it was your week, then, you know, you get out of your class early, you go down there and then they say, okay, here's who it is. And every single day they partnered you up with a different um, student and every single recess, you know, you would go down there to get your lunch buddy and you just like tooled around and, you know, you had to figure out what things that they liked. And so the cool thing too is sometimes the teacher didn't even tell you what things they liked. And so that way you would just try and, and integrate them into things that, you know, I wouldn't normally do, be doing on their, on their playground. Because again, I think if the teacher would have said, oh, go and do this, like that kid would have only been playing you know, like on the swing every single lunch, but they made you figure it out. And most of the kids, a few of them had some language. Most of them did not. Some of them were in a wheelchair. And it was the coolest experience of my entire life. And I just think to myself, um, 
what a cool, and this was back in like the 80s, people, you know what I'm saying? And it had such a positive like impact in my life that, and also too, you got to ask questions because we didn't know anything about it. And the teachers were super open about explaining, you know, what their challenges were and why they couldn't eat like with food in their mouth. And it was very cool. And I just think to myself, why are we not doing more of that? Right. Um, because again, everybody fought to be a lunch buddy. People were fighting and complaining that you know they didn't get to be picked for one of the kids for the lunch buddies. And I have to tell you, like fast forward now as a parent to ha know that every single recess, my kid is gonna be taken out onto the recess with a lunch buddy, you know, different kid, you know, exploring different things that they liked. How cool would that be? Like pretty amazing. And I and, just- And what it does to the other kid. Yes. For them to be exposed to, uh, cause even Lily has, just because she knows, like you're talking about with your daughter Kelly, like she'll notice if a kid's, you know, if it's mm -hmm. okay, I think this kid needs some extra help, you know. But some other kids aren't aren't exposed to that. So what it does for them is something really, oh, really so amazing too. Yeah. So I just have always thought that was a really cool program, and it's just one of those things too where um, Tyler's really at Tyler my. Um, 10th graders at Lewis and Clark High School and he's going and he now keep in mind legitimately my son is trying to get out of science because he hates chemistry <laughs> but he's going in and um, talking to the teacher about um, how great it would be if um, this special ed teacher um, arranged for him to get out of his chemistry science requirement and on in fourth period just come down to his uh, to this classroom to be a, an extra set of hands to help out in her um, so it's a self-contained class of kids with um, special needs. And what was funny about it, I was just like, oh, my gosh, Tyler, like, you little rat, you're just trying to get out of, like, science. And he says, but, Mom, I'm making a difference. And it's like, well, I mean, that's true. But what's funny about this... Um, um, what's funny about this is, is that um, the teacher actually says, you know what? I'll think about it. Hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty cool. But again, I feel like in a high school situation, you know, Lewis and Clark has over 1,600 students. And they do have a self-contained classroom, that classrooms of kids with significant um, challenges. And I think to myself, you know what, there's probably a ton of students there that would love to be offering their help to be in um, a in, into a class. So um, anyway, so I just feel like we're missing opportunities because um, there's definitely an interest. We just need to make it all come together. Now I have to uh, temper this with the um, fact that I was also one of the kids that wanted to get out of certain classes. In fact, um, no, they David. put me in AP math and English, it. and I went to the counselor and said, no, wrong. I don't want to work that hard. Um, and honestly, but at the same time, why not? If, the, if you want a apathetic kid in chemistry or you want an engaged kid that has a heart for this type of thing. Absolutely. I, you know? Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that Tyler, that was his like strategy for, hey, I hate chemistry, but you know what I would like to do? Yeah. Where I really feel like my skills would yeah, be He wasn't useful. asking you to cut class. He was yeah. saying, how about put my skills to work elsewhere? I mean, that's... And he wasn't asking to go be in the office to do like TA stuff, right? He was right. like, hey, I'm going to go to... Spe and, and he went directly to the special ed teacher who he doesn't know because Caleb's not even at Elsie, so he doesn't know this right. teacher. Um, per se, he went in there, introduced himself. Here's who I am. Here's what I can bring to your classroom. How about you get me out of some chemistry, oh and I can be yours every day for fourth period. And like I said, they didn't say no. They said, hmm, let me think about that. So, and I'm wondering if you guys have ever experienced regression with your neurotypical kids because of um, your other kids. Because I feel oh. like with Lily, 
I've experienced different times of regression because she's trying to deal with um, the boys. Um, and I think part of her thought, if she went backwards a little bit, she would get more attention. Oh, she yeah. would get, you know, those things because there was times. I mean, now I think after all these years, we rock it the best way we can. But in the beginning, it was a hot mess all the time. <clears throat> we're going to therapies. We're running here. Okay, we got to sit in the car while we do this, that, and the other. You can um, only make sitting in the car fun for so long and so many days, right? I, you know, it's just yeah. like, oh, my gosh. So I, we actually did experience a time of a little bit of regression with her here and there. And it wasn't until she got her stutter and she actually started going to therapy that she came back and said, I don't think this is as fun as I thought it was. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you, they work in there. Yes, this isn't yeah. some fun not rainbows and place we go to, you know. And it wasn't until she realized what therapy actually was when they went to it that she was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't think I need all that anymore. Well, I can attest to this with um, Tyler because um, Isaac and Tyler were just 11 and a half months apart in age. And um, so right around Tyler's first birthday was when we were figuring out that there was um, – problems uh with Isaac and so then that's when kind of the world so around 15 18 months is when that was kind of the aha period of time for um Tyler where then he we started seeing um you know like some things where I literally took him to the doctor where I was like I think this one has autism too because of the way he's acting and that was when they told me oh no he here's the thing he's probably just emulating some of that behavior because he sees that as what's getting Isaac the attention and so throughout Tyler's life, while Isaac was alive, he very much would show different signs of regression and stuff and uh, aggression and regression because he very much was struggling. So Tyler was my kid for sure that would do real like overt things to try and get. Um, and, and again, some of it was conscious and some of it I don't think was conscious. After he passed away, um, you know, things were hard because of that trauma element of it. And so obviously there was a ton of regression in that period of time. So we had to deal with that. But interestingly enough, fast forward, Caleb's born. We start seeing challenges with um, Caleb and Tyler developed Tourette's. Um, and <clears throat> so it started out with stuttering. Um, he was struggling with stuttering. He had facial tics and, um, so he, and he also had a speech impediment because I let him use a pacifier as like compensation after Isaac died. It was like, here's your pacifier, just use this. So they were like, so some of his speech, speech impediments, we had to go into speech that would be legitimate. He was in speech up until the sixth grade, but the Tourette's kept getting worse and worse and worse for Tyler. So, um, and so Tyler has experienced times where his Tourette's is more under control, but it's a lot of like anxiety and stress related when he hits a peak where stress and anxiety is at its worst for Tyler, then his Tourette's is completely off the rails. And so, um, and they had told us that like, gosh, you know, by third grade, it should be like going away because a lot of kids have these challenges and then they like go away and you see them um, not become, or not an issue at all. And that's not been the case for Tyler. Tyler has struggled with it even just now and he is a 10th grader. So, so with Tyler, with his Tourette's, it's very much like some of the same elements of it. But again, being that it's stressed and anxiety driven, um, you can see, and sometimes the stress and anxiety has to do with like things where, you know, if Caleb's having challenges, um, Tyler feeds off of that and then his tics get worse. Puberty was horrible for Tyler. Um, and, um, 
Actually, believe it or not, during the divorce, it really wasn't too bad, which is kind of funny. But um, yeah. How's so the stuttering? He, it actually has gotten better. Um, so that part has gotten better. But at, they say as kids get older, when you have Tourette's, um, his, they mature. And with that, then their like ability to cope and channel it differently and control it is is different. So Tyler has to has to learn how to manage his stress and anxiety. Um, and then he has different things that he can do to, um, you know, I guess let the steam off. So then that way it gets better. But there are just times where it's just even beyond all of the things that he has acquired, like skills that he has acquired to manage it, it still will kick his ass at times where he's just, it's horrible. Um, and he's medicated now in junior high. He asked to go on medication because I was kind of that no med mom where I was just like, oh, I'm not putting my kid on pharmaceuticals. We're going to figure out ways that we can manage it and control it. So we've done oils. We've done weighted blankets. We've done therapy, talk therapy, blah, 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 blah. And um, it's not um, – it, it, finally in junior high, he's like, mom, I'm going to get my ass kicked if you send me to school like this. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, good point. Like we really don't want that because there's issues where – when Tyler was in elementary school, he got attacked at PE because a kid thought he was making like smart, snarky faces at him and just jumped him at PE. The PE teacher knew that Tyler had Tourette's, but he didn't want any of the other kids to know. Um, so he had a kid jump him in, in elementary school. So going into junior high, I was like, mm, maybe. So that's when we put him on the medication, and it was great. Um, unfortunately, early on, though, um, we had to make decisions. Like, Tyler has ADHD. So if we treated him for the tics, then his ADHD was off the rails. If we treat him for the ADHD, then his tics was off the rails. There was no medication that would actually control both at the same time. And so that was the problem. So the first year, Tyler didn't want tics. So his ADHD was horrible, and his grades suffered, and he hated that. So then the eighth grade year, he wanted to be on ADHD medication, but then his tics were off the rails. Um, and so then finally when we got to Lewis and Clark in ninth grade, they finally offered us a medication that actually helps control both. Um, and that's been great. But it still doesn't when, you know, when you're talking about regression, there are times where even the medication doesn't touch the ticks because his anxiety and his stress is so high because of just life and stuff that goes on at home that he can't, even with the medication, it doesn't even control it. So, um, but he's aware of it now, at least I guess consciously he's aware of it. So, um, and he can obviously, thankfully, he can verbalize kind of some of the problems. So here's the one thing that we did find that has been hugely helpful is he started to do EMDR therapy. Um, they use it for uh, combat veterans. Um, and so it's reprocessing, you know, like experiences in the brain. So his brain, um, you know, puts the proper emphasis and, and processes it in a different way so it's not so traumatic and so much anxiety and stress related to it. So that's helped. The other thing that they offered Tyler is he takes um, a medication at night that keeps his brain from dreaming, So, which a lot of PTSD um, soldiers use. Um, it's called prozosin. So his brain doesn't have the ability to dream um, and rehash a lot of that stuff. So those two things combined has actually helped a lot. Um, because make no mistake, kids, siblings who have kiddo, have brothers and sisters with autism are experiencing trauma. Um, and not that they're getting the crap kicked out of them or you're a bad parent because, you know, like things are different. It's just life is more complicated for them. And so we're finding actually that there's a lot of elements of, of trauma um, within the families, even in the perfect, most ideal situation. Um, and so we do actually see a higher number of siblings with things like Tourette's um, than in other subsets. So, Or maybe even the stuttering, because I know Lily's yes. is anxiety. Um, the 
worse the and more anxiety, the harder it is for yep, the it gets worse. But you yeah. asked about regression of neurotypical kids. Um, how about just uh, you can't regress from somewhere you never were, um, which is like with Piper. I think something that's come out of it, understandably, is a little bit of entitlement and a little bit just not even knowing how to show appreciation because, you know, she's felt like she's had to fight for everything she's got because of all the attention that's had to yeah. been focused on her sister. So I sit there and wonder sometimes is like she'll have, Piper will have friends come over and like express amazing amounts of appreciation for some of the things we do. And I have to constantly cajole Piper, hey, you could say thank you or appreciation for this thing that you've been given, but maybe she never got that because she felt like she always had to fight for the thing that she got. So it's like, well, yeah, I'm entitled to this. Like, well, okay, not always. Um, and it sounds like Lily. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's hello, Kelly. And it's funny that you bring (laughs) up, you bring up the medication thing too, because you know, Piper's on something for ADHD, but great experience we had at the melting pot last week where we're sitting there waiting for the table and we're in the common area and there's other people observing and Piper's being a little bit nuts and even Morgan observes like, Pipey, did you take your pills this morning? Oh. Like, well, yeah, I took my pill this morning, but I didn't have my afternoon pill. There's all these parents observing and we're like, yeah. yes, parents, we have just given up and we're just medicating everything <laughs> yes. and everybody in our house because we just don't know how I to I need do. to take a pill now. Yeah, like, yeah. Tell me about it. Oh my gosh. I have to be honest with you though. I don't think for one second that I haven't thought about like, cause my anxiety is off the roof too because it's so stressful like you're trying to make the best decisions that you can and even in optimum circumstances it just sucks ass at times yeah. and so then it's like maybe I need to medicate myself because oh well, no Holly I've on. given up and I am medicating <laughs> myself yeah. so yeah I know I, yes. I am jealous I'm, I'm on anxiety I'm, medication because of how I'm wired I'm yeah I'm constantly trying to figure out you know how I'm gonna fix everything how I'm gonna do everything you know and it's just like you know, and Jason will do it. He'll be like, well, I'm take your anxiety yeah. medication today because you seem a little... I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Wait, <laughs> what are you trying to say? Now you're in the trouble. You're in trouble, Jason. Yeah, I'm also on anxiety medication See? because I was getting, like, panic attacks when the school's phone number would pop up in my phone. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I was like, this is not healthy. See, and I think exactly what we're talking about, though, it's, it's impossible to not, as a family, be impacted by having a loved one with autism. And, again, I think I'm already, like, high anxiety as it is. I was just born that way. And then, so then, of course, there's that element of guilt, which we did hash out yesterday in our podcast topic yesterday, which is, you know, like, um, you know, the guilt of working parents, is I think that, you know, as parents, as moms, I'm always looking for something that I can just, like, guilt myself over, that I have not done a good enough job, so, or just my bad genetics, and I've passed along all of my my anxiety, you know, genes to my children, so, because, you know, Lord knows they all have it, so, um, anyway, well, thank you guys for joining me, and we're going to wrap up this uh, episode of Isaac's Autism Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe, and just remember, we're all in this together, so find your tribe and hold them tight.